How would you advise to set up their uh, financial situation in terms of freelancing? I'm going to tell you that there are people watching this who are going to be like, Ferris is terrible with that. Because some people have very rigid rules. Quitting the job isn't going to help. You think it is. I always wanted a title. I always wanted like head of something. It's good to hustle at stuff you want to hustle at. But mm -hmm. the feeling now is you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to be a hustler or you're not doing well. Some not people. everyone is built for it. And it doesn't make you worse for not being built for it. Hello, Faris. Hello, Yasmin. Uh, thank you so much for being on my podcast, Faris Rakad. He is a radio presenter, a presenter in on many mediums. I've seen you at Expo. I've seen you at the Museum of the Future. You've, you'll see him on Dubai One TV. You're you're everywhere, and I love it. What if someone were to ask you what you do? What would you say? Um, it's an interesting one. I'll just say all of it. All of I'll, it, yeah? I'll go through the list. I'll be like radio presenter, TV presenter, MC, and voiceover and okay. voice actor. Okay, yeah. I like it. Or I'll be like, I'm in media. Yeah, it's easier. That's I like I this. I, I think this is the first time I've been interviewed. Really? I don't have a list of questions. I, I, don't you feel free? Yeah. Yeah, I it's like nice. This. Ask well, away, guys. You know, before we started this, you were just telling me that you had interviewed someone. That we, I just have to like touch upon it. Like you interviewed one of the guys who went down. In the submarine. This yeah. is a very sad topic, but I just found it so interesting. Like, how do you feel that you had actually done that? It is an interesting one. It was Captain Hamish Harding, okay. uh, who was on the submarine. Okay. And we had interviewed him not that long before the Ocean Gate submarine went down. And I do believe he was talking to me about his trip to was, go see the wreckage of the Titanic. Oh my God. Uh, because he's, he'd already been to space. He obviously loves this type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, he went to space with uh, Jeff Bezos. And um, that's the thing. I didn't know him. He wasn't a friend of mine. And right. I know a lot of people, because it wasn't just me interviewing him. It was a panel of us. Yeah. And I noticed that some people are like trying to sort of make it about them. Yeah. It's really not about me. Like I yeah. met him briefly in a professional setting, but it is different for me once I heard the news because yeah. I know there were a lot of memes going around, a there lot of so jokes. There were so many memes. I felt like honestly the memes were a bit mean. Like It's I one of those things that billionaires and yeah. he was a billionaire yeah. at the end of the day. Billionaires, he was the, sorry, he was the British uh, the British guy. Yeah, yeah he, he was. was. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of billionaires, they don't get a lot of sympathy because they're so rich yeah. that they're taken out of society in a way. So I get it from a psychological point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, I don't know if I would have joined in the memes as well if I yeah. hadn't met him. But the fact that I met him and it was really nice, really personable. I don't know how he made his money, Yeah, who he exploited or anything like that, but- he was a genuinely nice guy, very down to earth. And it's sad. It's sad when anyone loses their life. Like what you said, like there's a sense of disconnection because there are billionaires. So it's like, I don't know how much sympathy we can give them. Yeah, you know? it's, it's considered like punching upwards rather like, than downwards. Punching downwards yeah. is always looked down on. But punching upwards, sometimes people find like it's okay. Like a moral high ground kind of yeah. thing. Like I'm better than you because you're a billionaire. And, Something well, like I don't that. Know. But once you meet someone, it is yeah. different. Look, you're, um, I've been watching you. We used to work together. Yeah. So um, you've been in the radio forever and you're so good at it. You're someone who's like very articulate, um, very like very witty. Um, for someone who has, who's still like, you're still young in this like industry. Stop it. <laughs> Stop. Like what, what do you think the skills are that you need to get into radio? To get into radio, to get into any kind of presenting, mm -hmm. I'd say, and I don't know if people are going to like me saying this, mm. a lot of it is talent, uh, not yeah. skill. You know what's funny is that everyone I know in this industry, I feel like maybe there's just a handful that have gotten any formal training. Yeah. Like everyone I know has just kind of like winged it. Had it. 
I'm sure the formal training will help you be better. Of course. But a lot. I also know a lot of people in the industry who've been doing it a long time, 20 years, 25 years plus, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, are not that great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's something uh, that you have or you don't have. And it's always like with most things, you can get better at it. Right. Obviously. But it is a lot of it has to do with like talent. And I'm not saying that I've got it. Mm-hmm. That's not for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I do. I do think it's that because... People do ask me like, oh, where did you train? Where did you do this? Where did you do that? Yeah. Like with voiceovers as well. I have received no training. But I'm sure you've like, have you ever, do you have like a mentor or someone that you watch that you look up to that you're like, okay, I can kind of emulate their, you know, their characteristics, their skills so that I can kind of up my game and I can get better. Like, is there anyone like that? Yeah, definitely. Like with radio, um, Mm -hmm. I actively listen to uh, the Radio 1 breakfast show in the United Kingdom, the BBC Radio 1 breakfast show with Greg James. I think he's amazing. Okay. And that's the type of radio I like to do. Okay. So I'll get like ideas, inspiration from him, as well as uh, Scott Mills, also on the BBC. Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely people. With TV, not so much. Okay. Yeah. Tell us like when you first started presenting until t- till this day, what skills do you think you've developed or like how have you developed them? Do you think it's like just more about practice? Like is it just doing it every day or is it like actively watching and learning things online? You know, what's interesting is um, my first radio boss Mm -hmm. ever sent me a clip from my first week on radio and he sent it to me and I was like, oh, I can't wait to see how I've changed in that time. I sounded exactly the same. I was really surprised. My voice definitely was exactly the same. I think I was doing a mistake that a lot of people in presenting, especially radio presenting do, which is trying to sound like they're on the radio. Oh, okay. People think there's a radio presenter voice. In fact, I think a lot of Radio training is to talk like a normal human being. You're so right. Because I've been on the radio before and I was doing the news and I always felt like I had to sound newsy. Well, news, yeah, you kind of do have to be like, Mm. these are your latest headlines. Exactly. Um, But like people, you know how people are on the radio. It's like, it's 104.8 Channel 4. You're on with Ferris and we're going to be with you playing the tunes. And it has to be tight and neat and all that stuff. Maybe there was a time for that. Mm -hmm. But now it's more about connecting with people and just talking like a normal individual. How do you not say any ums or ahs? The thing is, I do. I absolutely do. But it's, the difference is not umming and ahring and making it clear that, oh, I made a mistake when I'm feeling Mm, Okay, just go with it. it. You go with it. It's part of your mannerism. Mm -hmm. Like I stutter as part of my speech and it's a normal thing. Lots of people do it. Oh, I Um, love that. There's a great TV presenter who I work with called Tom Urquhart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's stuttering all the time. You know? Yeah. Uh, and it's just part of the way he speaks. And there's nothing wrong with it at all. Stephen Fry, uh, legendary individual. Love Stephen Fry. He just stutters. The thing is, you don't let it hold you back. So I when think... you were asking before about what do you need, skill or talent or whatever. Yeah. It's confidence more than it is skill. Mm. Um, so long as you don't get embarrassed by what you're doing and you keep going confidently. And isn't it so interesting also that it's like also the message and the content rather than how you deliver it? Cause people, sorry, it's how you deliver the message, right? Yeah. So it's like people are connecting with the message. People are connecting with you rather than like your mistakes. Cause yeah. they're, they're overlooking that. They don't even notice it. Cause your message is like delivered so strongly. Exactly. Yeah. If you're stuttering and, <laughs> um, and sounding like you're reading, people aren't going to connect with it, whatever it is you're talking about. Do you feel like you need to be on point, like mentally right before you go on air? Like as in, 
what things do you have prepared for yourself before you go on? Now with radio, it's different because radio is something I do every day mm -hmm. and I've done pretty much every day for the past 10 years. Um, so it's, I'd say it's second nature radio. Okay. I'd, I'd go in and do it. But where I really have to hype myself up is emceeing. Yeah. Public speaking, being up on a stage. I've been doing it for a long time. It scares me every single time. And it's the confidence thing. It's um, like, don't expect to not be scared to go up. Because you emcee as well. We're all scared, right? Yep. Just yep. go up and do it anyway. <clears throat> exactly. Do it scared. Just do it scared. I think that's what people <laughs> don't. They're like, wow, you know, you get up on it. I'm like, you know what? I am, don't want to say the bad word, but like I'm pooping myself. Like it's not... <laughs> Do you feel like once the microphone's in your hand and you start, then the nerves sort of die down? I feel like the first, after the first two minutes, when I feel like I've got this and I can find my voice, like, you know how sometimes you need to hear your own voice to feel like you have got it? I need those first two minutes and then I'm good. Yeah. Do you feel that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's good advice for most things in life is just do it anyway. Yeah. Speaking of voice, like, do you feel like it took you some time to find your fattest voice? Like, do you, you know how like you were talking about, you know, not wanting to sound like you're on radio or not wanting to sound like you're trying too hard to be a newsie. Was there like a moment in time where you're like, this is me. I've got this. Yeah. I think it helped once I got my first co-host. Ah. Shout out to my boy, Tim, because. What's up, Tim? <laughs> you sort of forget uh, to do the voice when you're actually talking to somebody. Ah, uh, yes. Because okay. You're in You've got eyes to look into. Like I'm looking to yours right now. Mm-hmm. And you forget that you're on a recording or on your radio and you just talk normally because you're answering rather yeah. than initiating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that helped. Um, and talking to listeners and stuff, I noticed myself calming down from Mr. Radio Guy. Right. And I'd say that's where I found it. Interesting. Although I don't, I don't know if I have found it because I, I have quite a deep voice when I speak. But no, it's not just about, I, I was, I'm not talking about like just technically the actual voice. Yeah, I'm talking mean, about the personality. Yeah. I feel like you have though. I feel like, but then I can't, I don't, cause I've, I knew you from when you were starting out until now. And I feel like you're the same personality. Yeah, it's pretty samey. No, I'd say that I've changed my tune a lot on shocking jokes. Ah. I don't know if that's a good thing, but I used to, you know, it always used to be. What do you so, mean on shocking jokes? Like innuendo. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe jokes that could be inappropriate and I won't stay away from them. But I think I'm more sensitive to what actually is inappropriate okay. and what is actually offensive. Is that because someone's told you or is that because you just discovered it on your own? Just living in this world <laughs> and, you know, being a person of color, you get offended by stuff. And you're like, well, why is it okay uh, for yeah. me to get offended by this? Okay. But then I'll go and offend someone else for some something similar. Okay. Yeah, I actually haven't been told off that many times. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, that's no, that's, uh, that's good. That's good. Cause that means yeah. you can like kind of still be yourself and you don't, feel, you know, I feel like sometimes you, you get a criticism for like being yourself. It's kind of like, eh, that makes you retreat a little bit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But you got to take it. If you're going to be in the media industry, it is going to be, there's going to be constructive criticism. There's going to be unconstructive criticism. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're going to see people doing better than you, um, and you just got to go with it. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Like, what do you feel is, what is the difference between someone giving you constructive criticism about your art and your craft versus someone just saying, like, someone criticizing? Like, how would you like someone to give you criticism? Well, a lot of it, and I'll make an analogy here <laughs> of uh, somebody that makes a comment to you or a joke to you. And you could take that comment or joke differently based on who the person is because they have a stink about them. Like if somebody made a flirtatious joke, yeah, one person you could be like, 
he's so silly. Yeah. Another person you could be like, oh, I'm actually really creeped out by that. Yeah. It could be the same exact joke, but it's you can sort of sense the stink, mm-hmm. the intention behind it. So it really depends if I get the feeling that okay. this person is actually trying to give some constructive criticism right. or if this person is trying to bring me down. Mm. So I think that's the main difference. But also hierarchy comes involved. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm doing my radio show and my program director, yeah. the boss, says something to me, I got to take his criticism. Of course. If the social media manager has something to say, part of me is going to be like, who, who asked you? you? But it's good to it's good what to about, get that feedback. So what if it was a co-host? See, No. No, I'm you not cool with that. You're not cool with it, yeah. No, definitely. And I wouldn't I wouldn't make any comments to my co-hosts because when you do a show with somebody else, there's a bit of a power trip. Even if it's low level, yep. sometimes it's high level. Sometimes people just hate each other. Yeah. And they're always trying to one-up each other. Uh, but even like on the base level is quite a little bit of background mm-hmm. competitiveness. And the other thing about it is um, even though they're your co-host – when you're in a position where you're doing a show with someone, you're going to think that you're doing well. Okay, yeah. And you're going to think, and you're going to notice their flaws, and they're over at the other side thinking they're doing well and noticing your flaws. Oh. So once people start making comments to each other, it's going to turn into a. It's going to be turn into like, yeah. I, I can't use know, the word I want to say. I, I know what you want to say. Yeah, and I want to say it too. Yeah, but yeah, I understand. <laughs> um, like, what is the difference between? I feel like there, it requires so much, um, just energetic kind of like. Sim, like synchro, synchronicity? Syn, what's the word? I'll go with it. Synchronization. Synchronization. <laughs> That's the word. Yeah. Um, to be to be co hosting with someone else. What is the difference between like being solo, going solo on radio versus having a co host? Like, what do you have to be aware of? Now, I recently switched radio stations to okay. an afternoon shift where I was by myself. Mm-hmm. So I got to do that quite recently. And then I got promoted to do the breakfast show where I'm on with someone else. Mm-hmm. And I actually really didn't want that promotion. Okay. Because I didn't want to have a co-host. Okay. And the reason is because it can, there's a big danger of it getting very stressful. Yes. Having to, because you have to see the same person every day, yep. especially early in the morning. Mm-hmm. My show's from 6 a.m. till 10 a.m. and I'm not a morning person, so it's not ideal. Yeah. Um, but luckily, uh, it's it's going fine. And the thing, the difference is, though, that I noticed is when you do a solo show, it's a lot less stressful in terms of having someone to mesh with, get along with. Right. Have someone that you need to discuss decisions with, because when you have a yeah. co-host, it should be kind of like a marriage where you're both <laughs> making decisions together. Whereas when it's yourself, it's like when you're single and you're just making decisions for yourself. But what I've noticed is when you're doing a show by yourself, the wave of a bad show and a good show is very shallow. Okay. So when it's bad, it's not that bad. Okay. And when it's good, it's not as good. But when you have a co-host, when it's bad, it's really bad. Okay. Where you dread going into work because you have to see the other person. Right. But when it's good, it's really good because like extra laughs can be had and laughs you didn't expect we're going to happen because yeah. you're getting input from somebody else. So it's, it's, it's a risk. It's like, it's like being single versus being in a relationship. Well, it is like, it does sound like it's being yeah. in a relationship. There are pros like, and cons. Cause when you're single, you can have a good time, yeah. but it's not going to be as good as if you're having a good time with somebody else. If you're having right. a bad time, it's not as bad as when you have a bad time with somebody else. That's so interesting. I love that. That's really cool actually. But you know, what's funny is that I thought the promotion would go the other way. So like, I thought like if you get promoted, you go solo because no. that's harder. Well, I yeah. no, I thought it was harder, but now that you explained it to me, I understand. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely harder having someone with you. Okay, yeah. interesting. So let's talk a little bit about like just like 
the work structure of like being a presenter, being a radio presenter and doing so many different other things. Um, how would you like, how do you structure your day as a freelancer? Yeah. So I know, no, you tell me. Cause I, I was going to say, cause, cause I was going to say, I know that you work full time, but I just want everyone else to hear it from you. Well, I have a full time job, okay. but I don't work as many hours as everybody else. But what helps is that I do do the show mm -hmm. from 6am till 10am. And that's quite a big part, big part of the reason I took the job was because it was a promotion. So there was a higher salary involved in everything, right? but also because breakfast shows tend to finish at 10am. Okay. So that means I've got the day free. You have a whole day. Exactly. When I was doing afternoons, it was 1 p.m. till 5 p.m., which makes it very difficult to do anything else. Right. So even though I have to wake up at 4 a.m. to go to work, mm -hmm. um, at oh least my. I have the free, I know, at least I have the freedom to do stuff during the day. I feel like I want to have a completely different conversation with you about just the 4 a.m. wake up call. <laughs> it never gets easier. How do you survive? I actually recently purchased probably the best thing I've ever purchased. You should do this. I got a programmable, programmable coffee machine and I put it next to my bed. I saw bed. that on your Instagram. Like yeah. what does, what do you mean? You wake up, click on something? And no, then no, no, I don't click on anything. Okay. What yes, is, mean. What? I put the ground coffee in the night before. Okay. I fill it up with water the night before and then I program it to start making coffee at 4am so that when I wake up, it's there. Uh, this is the, the most genius thing I've ever heard. Do was, it. Is it from Amazon? It is. Okay. Affiliate link below, guys. <laughs> do it jesus this is like a whole different level of like just you know you're on it man you're like you're you're good yeah but like when we're talking freelancing yeah i'm not gonna sit here and be like yeah i'm great listen to my advice because i'm not good at being proactive i was gonna ask because for okay so i just heard that like so bayou.com there's this like website Bayou. they basically said that like 89 percent of like dubai residents plan to become freelancers in 2023 now, being a freelancer requires way more than just like quitting your job and like, you know, trying to find your own way. It requires you being self-motivated, which is one of the hardest things, right? Like, I mean, what, what's, what do you think holds you back from being motivated to do more freelance stuff? I mean, if we want to go into the whole therapy session... <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm not, I'm not going to delve too much into it. No, but okay. You come from an Arab background. Yes. Now, I don't know if it was similar to mine, uh, but usually in our cultures, especially in my house, the dad takes care of everything. Right. So everything that the, gets done is done by him. Like the traditional family unit Arabs. He's the so, man of the house and right. he sorts everything out. Mm -hmm. So suddenly you're out in the world. And this continued until I was about 24 because he still treated us like kids because mm -hmm. that's his way. Mm -hmm. So now that I moved to Dubai, suddenly I had to start doing stuff for myself. Right. So it's been a slow process to learn that. But I mm -hmm. think it's an instinctual thing. Like I grew up for so long not doing anything unless I was told to do it. Right. That it, I struggle to self-motivate because nobody's told me to do it. So and I think the real trick is when there's something that you need to do for yourself, treat it like it's a job because I'm waking up at 4 a.m., to go to work, I can get off the sofa and go to the gym, for example. Right. But just because it's not my job, I don't. Ha nobody's telling me to do it. I struggle to do it. But that's something I'm trying to work on. Something mm -hmm. you should try and work on mm -hmm. is stuff that's good for you. You should treat it like it is a job. Like have a schedule and try and stick to it. Right. That's really important. And I feel like it's not. It's not just like a fam. It's not a cultural thing. I also think it's just kind of like a society thing because we're also so. Uh, I guess we are taught to go to a nine to five job. Like we're 
you know, there's a hierarchy, there's a system, you go to work and you're, you get told what to do when you do it. And that's it. There's not much like thinking behind it. The motivation obviously comes when you like want to grow in that like system, but then it's hard, it's hard to go off by yourself. Yeah. But also I think people romanticize, you said 89% of residents want to be freelancers. Yeah. I think people romanticize freelancing because let's talk more about that Yeah, because every single like clip I see on Instagram is like, you know, be an entrepreneur. Let's do start, like be a startup, uh, you know, start, start your own company. Let's, you don't have to. No, you don't. You really you don't. don't. It's if it's something you want to do, great. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, we're pushed, not even motivated. We're made to feel bad for not having a hustler mindset sometimes. Um, and it's good to hustle at stuff you want to hustle at. But mm -hmm. the feeling now is you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to be a hustler or you're not doing well. People aren't built for it. Some not people. everyone is built for it. And it doesn't make you worse for not being built for it. And I think there's a huge danger in thinking that I'm going to do it just because everyone else is doing it. And then, you know, just just not having that like that hustle that like fire to go after it because you really need that exactly so what we were saying was that not everyone has to be a hustler not everyone has to be an entrepreneur and that's okay it does not mean you're a failure and it doesn't mean that you don't have like the fire to begin it just means that you're like it also needs timing like the right timing needs to be there don't you think timing does need to be there you need to have the skills like they say o oprah was fired when she was 25 right um and people are like, oh, her network made a mistake. Okay. But no, she didn't because she wasn't Oprah yet. She had to be fired mm -hmm. when she was 25 to become Oprah, who only started her show when she was 35. Yeah. And one of the biggest names in media. But as you were saying before, forget about it being the right time and all stuff. It doesn't have to be the right time. You don't have to want to do it. Mm -hmm. I recently read a book. I can't remember who it's by, but it's called Never Want to Grow Up, which talks about how it's just, if you don't want that hustle lifestyle, yeah, it's okay. Because yeah. at the end of it all, what's the most important thing in life is to try and be happy. And that yes. looks different for a lot of people. For some people, it means having the nice cars and the millions of dirhams mm -hmm. and this crazy lifestyle and the skyrise towers. But people will tell you like a Lamborghini only feels like a Lamborghini for the first 10 miles. And then it's just a car. That's so interesting. That's so true. I, I completely stand by that. Most views get boring once you've seen them after views? a week. Views? Yeah, you mean like as in... Like someone wants to live at the top of the Burj Khalifa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, that's so crazy because you know when I was younger I was always like I, I always wanted a title I always wanted like you know head of something head of content I was always like striving for that I always wanted like the producer role I want and then somewhere in my career I got those titles and I got that role and I looked at myself and I was like this is so great for my ego yeah <laughs> it's so great for my LinkedIn it's so great for this and that but I was uh, half the time I was miserable because I was working, I was working for a title. I wasn't working for like something that I was truly, truly happy for, but happy about. So it's so interesting that how your mind thinks like you want something, but then once you get it, you're like, mm, what was I actually even striving for? And you got to think why you were striving for it. Cause I feel like a lot of the reason people strive for certain things mm. is to impress others. A hundred percent. I don't believe that's a good way to live is to try and impress others Yeah. Um, personally. So whatever makes you happy, focus on that. So I enjoy doing media. Yeah. I know that, I know, I know that radio is a dying industry. I know. But I, they've been saying that since the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And I've it's still around, that. right? It's not what it used to be, but I enjoy doing it. Yep. So I could like, you know, if my uh, idea of happiness or success was money, mm -hmm. 
I probably would have been better off uh, sticking with my computer science degree, which I got. That's but I so... don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to try and do what I like doing as well as I can do it for as long as I can do it. And I'm not really looking for titles or money. I just want to be happy doing what I'm doing. I think that's such an important thing. Like when um, I interviewed Deepak Chopra, he said, you know, the biggest measure measure of success is ha- is joy. And that's uh, at the beginning when I when I heard that, I was like, yeah, but is it? What's this hippie nonsense? Yeah, I was like, what is this hippie? <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, this is the most one of the most important like um, quotes, like slash kind of beliefs ever. It's so true. But like, let's let's get back into the um, the radio thing. What you were just saying, like. What do you think is going to happen with radio? Do you think it's like, I think everyone's just going to have their own podcasts? Like, well, if we want to go into this, I think it's a shame what has happened to radio mm-hmm. uh, because I think there is a heavy demand for it, but people okay. don't realize that there is. Now, luckily, the UAE is a place that has very high radio listenership. Uh, it's very high in the United Kingdom, very mm-hmm. high in India. There's also places where it is big. Right. You'll notice that they say the radio, the radio industry is dying because it was dying in the U.S., and when something happens in the U.S., mm. that means it's happening everywhere. But it's mainly a U.S. problem. And the reason it's a problem is, um, like most things, capitalism. Okay. Where one company or just a few companies started buying up local radio stations, making these massive radio networks, mm-hmm. playing Ryan Seacrest on all of them. So they only have to play one presenter yeah. across these hundreds, maybe even thousands of regions. Right. Uh, and that way they can downsize on the radio presenters in those local areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're all getting the same content. Um, overfilling it with adverts, commercials, is an issue. Um, and they told all the other radio presenters to speak less, to compete with apps like Spotify. Oh, okay. Apple so that's, it's like more music. More music. People, people are moving to Spotify. Obviously, they want more music. So mm-hmm. talk less. So they just talk for about 15 seconds between songs. Oh, that's a shame. And they try and play more music. Whereas instead of they should have stuck to their niche of no, because if people are getting music, they can get it from Spotify ad free. That means we should talk more. Um, And I do feel like there's a need for radio because people like music Mm -hmm. and people like conversation Mm -hmm. and people like interacting with a human being. And this is proven by the fact that everyone has a Spotify account. Um, The fact that people listen to podcasts means they do like conversation. Mm -hmm. And the fact that people will watch TikTok lives. Yes, people that's true. There's a- Twitch, some of the richest people in the world are on Twitch. People crave that human connection. This is a medium that combines all three. But the problem is there's a lot of issues with uh, too many adverts. Nobody wants to sit through six minutes of advertisements. Yeah, it's, it gets louder also when yeah. you're listening to it. It's yeah, exactly. Really because salespeople are very much in charge of a lot of the stuff that goes on the air. And obviously the main job of any corporation is to bring money in. Right. So they'll keep filling with ads because every ad is more money. Yeah. But you damage the industry as a whole because people, I don't want to listen to all these ads. What do you think is the alternative? What do you think? How do you think radio stations can make money without having all those adverts and those annoying kind of like corporate like heads (laughs) just looking over them? No, I mean, I think it's um, very simple is you play fewer ads, but you charge clients a lot more to have their ad on. Right. If it's such a valuable radio station that everyone wants their ads to be on it, then you charge them. Make better deals, guys. Like make better deals, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do sa- lazy sales. But what happens is they probably do that. Like, oh, there's a lot of demand, so we're going to make it more expensive. And then they realize people are still paying. So instead of doing four ads in a row, 
even though we've upped our prices, people still willing to pay it. So let's make it five. Let's make it six. But also, I think there is also like power and diversity, right? So basically, if you are um, as in diversification of how you get your money. So basically, if you're on the radio, you can also create TikToks and create different kind of, um, you know, content from that radio uh, episode. And then you put it online and you get ad revenue from that also. So like, don't just keep putting the ads. Yeah, you got to use socials stations. as well. Use socials, like expand. Use your like co-hosts and your hosts to like go and do other stuff for the radio station. But then you know get those like brand deals on another platform so that you don't have to like saturate. Yeah. The radio station. I think technology, or just <laughs> most. This is not technology. It's a fashion, a trend. Trends are yes. Uh, they cycle round. Right. Like when it comes to fashion or anything. So people used to watch television. Certain mm-hmm. shows came on at certain times of day um, and used to watch adverts in between. Yeah. And then with YouTube and Netflix, that stopped happening. It became on demand. Mm-hmm. And then they made you start watching ads on YouTube and on Netflix. And then there's multiple different streaming services, which became like TV channels again. So yeah. it sort of went back to the way it used to be. Right. In a way, except you get to pick what you're watching. Right. Um, and I think something like that's going to happen where people are like actually... There is a need for radio, not mm-hmm. FM radio. Do you think it might turn into a subscription model where like you have to subscribe to a frequency? I've actually had an idea for a business and I don't mind talking about it because there's no way I'm going to do it. Yeah. As we said, <laughs> I am not. I don't have an entrepreneur oh, you don't, mind. You, yeah, right. Let's but go. what I think would be cool is I think there is a need for radio. I think there's a demand for it. And what I would propose is a platform mm-hmm. where you can listen to radio stations all over, all around the world. Mm-hmm. And you can choose to subscribe to different radio stations, like $1. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it removes the ads for you. And it replaces the time in the ads with some exclusive radio presenter content that only you can hear. That's great, because that's exactly what digital news agencies do. Like, basically, if you want to read an article article from the New York Times that's super exclusive, you pay a dollar. Or yeah. Bloomberg, pay a dollar. I think that's such a good, I don't know how they would do it like just technically and logistically because you have to, I don't know if you can pay for frequencies like that, but I think. (laughs) I think they'd have to make a deal with the radio stations, the individual ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing is there's so many of them, it becomes difficult. I'm not going to do it myself. If you want to steal the idea, go ahead. Go ahead. Just give them credit. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Um, Amazing. I have like, so when I first started out in this industry, I always wondered, like, I know there's this like hustle culture. You should always be like working, getting to know like different people, different, you know, just networking and stuff. Do you think that you need an agent to get by in this industry? Like, what do you think, how much percentage do you think it should be like on you versus on you you hiring someone to kind of look for work for you? Now... I'm going to be honest and say I don't think I'm the expert okay. to talk about this. I'm not yeah. going to say I'm doing as well as I could be or I'm doing as much as I could be doing. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just talk about what has worked for me so far. Yep. Because I don't have an agent. Okay. So I can't, I know you've already spoken to my good friend, Nimi Meta. Yes. I, I believe she has an agent. So she probably has a lot more insight than I do. Right. And she's doing very well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it does help to have an agent, agent because it's their job to look for gigs for you. And more importantly, and the reason I would want an agent is they can negotiate for you. Exactly. Without you being the bad guy. Exactly, which is... Can I tell you something funny I did once? Please tell me. I uh, I pretended to be my own agent. Oh my God, that's so good. Yeah, so it happened once, uh, but I noticed they were suspicious, so I haven't really done it again. How did you change your voice? Did you change your voice? So, you know, I talk like this. Right. I can't remember the voice I did. I remember the guy's name. My agent was called Clint. Um, <laughs> your fake agent. Yeah, and um, I tried to see how different can I be. I said, should I go American mm-hmm. or should I go like really... British. Do his accent. You want me to do Clint? Please do Clint. 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I've had a word with Faris, and uh, he's mentioned that you want him for this gig. Now, he's told me the amount you've proposed, and I'm afraid to say it's far too low. He's a very busy man. Uh, you have to bring it up. You have to do better than that. That um, is, it's so theatrical <laughs> that it's, like, fucking... That but you'll crazy. meet you'll meet people like that That's so in this good. industry. But it's, it sounds like an agent, but like out of a movie. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, tell me more. More about Clint? <laughs> no, but what has worked for me? I've no, and I noticed this right before Expo. Mm-hmm. Is what has worked for me is being nice. What annoys me about the industry I'm in? I don't like most presenters. I'll tell you that right now. Why I don't, not? Because they think they're special. Okay. Uh, and maybe some people can think they're special. Maybe musicians. Is that what you thought of me? No. <laughs> <laughs> you were just the newsreader. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't curse on this because I don't want to, you know, but yeah. Anyway. Uh, but a lot of people continue. think they're like special. They think they're yeah, divas. Yeah. And you can think you're special if you're a musician, a movie star, mm. something like that. But presenting is uh, your job, especially radio presenting, is being one of the people. Yes. It's like making people feel like you're one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when there's people on the radio like, oh, I'm friends with Will Smith, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't love that yeah. as much. Well, I'm on Dubai Bling. Um, but <laughs> oh, snap. We, we can are, edit this we out. Are, we are taking shots here. And I uh, love it. But I prefer radio where uh, I feel like I'm with a friend in the car. Right, right, right. So uh, most people in the media industry are quite annoying to me because mm-hmm. they think they're special, especially with radio. I don't think it works and you have to be nice and that it's not a strategy. Mm-hmm. I'm not faking it when I'm nice, whenever I deal with listeners, whenever I deal with clients. And no, I sense that. I sense when I hear you, I'm like, Oh, like you are very relatable, which is good. I realized the payoff when Expo was about to start mm. because I knew Expo was happening. I was hearing people around me getting work at Expo and I was like, Oh, I haven't, I haven't made connections. Mm-hmm. I haven't schmoozed. I haven't, you know, uh, promoted myself on social media or on LinkedIn enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm missing out on this potential to make good money, to get good experience and all that stuff. Right. And I felt bad about that. And then in the two months leading up to the beginning of Expo, somebody I did a job with once who I was nice to got me to do the voiceover for the UK National Day and for mm-hmm. the um, DP World Pavilion. So I became yeah. the voice of the DP World Pavilion. Uh, somebody I treated nicely in one gig, shout out to Katie Overy. Um, she got me work at Studio Expo, which was the TV show that ran for the whole six months of Expo 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing that show, just being nice and doing a good job, obviously. It's not just about being nice. Doing a good job and being nice. I got another TV show at Expo. Mm-hmm. Somebody that I was nice to on some job that I was a part of got me to do a podcast at Expo. Right. So, And that's just being having good work ethic, showing up on time, doing what you're supposed to do, being personable, being nice to everybody. Mm-hmm. That for me is what makes people want to work with you again. Like that goes such a long way, doesn't it? Yeah. It's so crazy. And also you, if you're still starting out and you want to be like, you want to look like you're um, doing well, like you want to get an agent, you mm-hmm. want to make it look like you're doing better than you are because, you know, fake it till you make it mentality. That can work. Right. But it also gives the impression that they can't afford you. Ah, uh, okay. So if you can back up, your whole thing, your whole brand that you, yeah, no, you can't afford me. Mm-hmm. Great. But if you're trying to start up, get that experience, um, people are just going to assume that maybe they can't afford you. I'm not saying take too little. And you know, no, I think you're right. Cause like when you first start up anyway, you want to get to know as many people as possible, right? Like you need to actually know more people in the industry. Having an agent kind of protects you from a lot of 
just a lot of that and sometimes protection is not good like yeah. some like being sheltered from the industry is not great because you and need it to- adds a level of complexity so for example if a friend of mine like has a job that i can't do right like we need somebody who can speak hindi for this voiceover mm-hmm. um there's people who i'll be like okay i can recommend this person they're really good and i'll think of somebody else and i'm like yeah, but if I talk to them, then I got to talk to the agent first. And it's not oh. my job. It's for this person. I can send them the agent's number. That's and so usually funny. people go for the person they can talk to directly because it's a simple gig. A hundred percent. It's not a big thing. Um, so they don't want to go through the agent and this back and forth and negotiation. They just like, okay, that's not what we need. That's such it's a good just point. a simple job. And then I'll talk to the person who has the agent and they're like, I would have done that for yeah. that money. And I'm like, it just adds a level of complexity. I've done yeah. it personally where somebody needed an MC. Right. And I messaged my friend who is not big in the game, mm-hmm. is not been doing it a long time, isn't high quality uh, or high value. I don't know what word to use. Not up there. Is getting Starting there. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, hey, there's this gig that I was supposed to do. They're looking for a replacement. Is this something you could do? He's like, oh, you got to talk to Steve. He's managing me. Mm. And I was like, immediately, I was like, forget it. And I asked my other friend. Accessibility. I yeah. feel like that's such a that's such a good kind of mindset to have. Like, just be accessible if you want to get ahead in this game. Yeah, like if you message me on Instagram, unless it's if it's not something weird. Yeah, I will look at all the messages, the requests, the hidden requests. I do look at them. Yeah. Um, unless it's you know some, something weird. Yeah. Also, speaking of it, I know I know I'm going on a tangent. If you're trying to message someone for like work or whatever, yeah. and you just say hi, you're not. They're not going to respond. Because I want to know what you want. What do you want? <laughs> Tell me the details. Give me a brief at yeah. least. Right? All in the initial message. Be like, hey, how are you? And they're going to like, I know a lot of them are like, oh, I'll wait for him to respond before I tell them what I want. Other than like money, like what jobs would you say no to? Like, would you say no to like someone approaching you online or is that okay for you? Like, no, no, Instagram? I'll say yes to you'll, someone you'll approaching okay me online. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Depends on what the job is. Right. So I'll charge more for boring jobs. Really? I'll charge, le- Yeah. What do you mean? Like boring jobs as in like long work hours? Yeah, or? like long work hours, which is, I don't want to say any was, specific thing in yeah, case like somebody watching say. is like, oh, I want him for my event. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a boring event. Like NFTs, okay? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I've done them. And I will pretend like I know what I'm talking about and that I love them. But, but I don't not. find them interesting, you know? So I would charge more. For something that I'm not interested in. Whereas Comic-Con, for example, because yeah. I'm a massive nerd, yeah, I did for less money than I would have charged for something else. That's your jam, isn't because it? Because I got to be part of Comic-Con. Even though it was in Abu Dhabi, I had to get my own hotel. I still did it for the lesser amount because I knew it was going to be enjoyable. And you have to enjoy what you're doing, I think. What's not your, always, but yeah. it's good to enjoy what you're doing. What's your favorite Like, what's your favorite topic to talk about? My favorite topic to talk about? Myself. That's why I came here today. Humble. You're not paying me. <laughs> I'm not. I didn't even get you a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, my favorite topic to talk about. No, I like, honestly, I like to talk about everything. Yeah. The stuff I don't like to talk about. Um, you know what? What it is, I like to talk freely about any topic. Okay, except for? Um, no, I like to talk freely about any topic. Like, for example, NFTs. If somebody's talking to me about NFTs, I would love to talk about NFTs and be like, they're just a huge pyramid scheme, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And, you know, get into a little bit of conflict. But yeah. especially in media, especially media in the UAE, mm-hmm. you can't do that right okay you can't you be can't, as contra- uh, you can't be negative yeah 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 because people don't want to come on your podcast and be insulted yeah, and their life's work ridiculed <laughs> like you won't get anyone any, any more guests so okay. i get why be approachable and be kind of easy to speak to about yeah. certain topics i mean there's a way you conduct yourself when you're uh, on a media 
especially a sponsored media thing or a TV show or radio show where there's salespeople, there's clients, there's advertisers, you got to keep in mind. You do have to, you can ask these questions. Yeah. Like some people are concerned like, and give them an, a, a chance to retort. What, what topics, I mean, okay, what tips would you give people um, when you have to like speak about something? This can go for anything, by the way. It doesn't have to be like if you're a presenter. It can be like if you're just in like a business meeting. Um if someone doesn't know about the topic that they're talking about, what is something that they can do to really like, and I know obviously like, you know, do your a little bit of research, but is there another way they can kind of look like they've got their uh, stuff together when they're talking about certain topics? Just in discussions? In discussions and like when you are like or presenting, presenting like something in front of like a crowd, like for example, um, say present, presenting in the, on the radio or if you're like in a meeting where you have to like look like you know what you're talking about. I mean, first of all, like I said before, it's confidence. Mm -hmm. Here's confidence. the thing. You're asking like, oh, how do I talk about something I don't know a lot about? No, you do know a lot about it. Mm. You do know a lot about it. Okay. I know a lot about it. Really? Yeah. I, I fully believe that I know a lot about it. Um, and prove me wrong. And prove me wrong, mm -hmm. right? If it's an interview, uh, now I was going to say with an interview, a lot of people make not necessarily the mistake it's not something I do, which is they over-research the topic and they get very niche into the topic and they almost want to show off all the information they learned and start talking about it. As the interviewer, I mean, you interview a lot of people for these times, you should right. know this, is as the interviewer, I don't think you should know any answers. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm I asking the person the answers. I don't need to know anything. I was going to say, go in there green-eyed and whatever you that the word is. Just go in there like not knowing anything because... Yeah. That's the beauty of it, exactly. right? You are you are the audience. So you're trying to get yeah. Now, as an MC, when you're up on stage and you're presenting about a topic you don't know a lot about, mm -hmm. you should get to know about it ahead of time. Yes. Uh, usually you'll get a script with MC gigs, but you need to say it with some confidence, sort of understand, maybe Google some keywords. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of interaction. You're not going to be caught, caught out when you're MCing or yeah. you're on a stage. Because you're kind of like writing solo. You, you can, I mean, you yeah. have to interact with people, but then you can also kind of like put a boundary on like, what you want to talk about yeah. in a way. But if you're like just talking to people in like business meetings and stuff, yeah. I feel like people have an idea that people will like them or respect them more if they know a lot about a topic. Like I need to know a lot about this topic. Therefore people will think I'm better and this will help me mm -hmm. networking. People love to talk about themselves. Uh -huh. so, I so I think it helps if somebody like whatever topic, uh, agriculture, right? If you think, oh, I need, this person's very important. Mm -hmm. They know about agriculture. Mm -hmm. I need to know about agriculture. So then they'll respect me. No, just ask them about agriculture. They love to talk about their passions. If, if you ask someone about their passions, they will like you more for you showing them. genuine interest in what they're talking about. If you let them speak. I'm not going to like another radio presenter more just because they're a radio presenter and they know about it more than someone who's asking me about radio presenting. Right, then I get to right, talk right. and they get to listen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which That's is a... what every radio presenter wants out of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> For I ages. talk, you listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. So everyone tells you when you're, first starting, when you're first starting out to get to know people, network, schmooze. What do, how do you schmooze with people? Is it like how are you supposed to get to the top or get those gigs without looking like a suck up? I am not the best person to talk about this. I don't think I'm very good at schmoozing. I feel like you are. What do, do you, you mean? Maybe it's the British accent. I think it's just being nice. I don't... Maybe it's the... Yeah. I think it's just, like being I nice. said, being nice. And the thing is being nice to everybody because I think people will notice 
if you're nice to the CEO. So you've been genuine this whole time? I have. <laughs> I have. Shocker. Ask Shay, the producer. I was very nice to him. Yeah. And I was chatting with him. Uh, and that's the thing. Like, I don't go in, like, with a strategy, with a plan mm-hmm. to be like, I'm going to pretend to be nice to everybody. And this is going to do but me like, well. D- no, but you must know that this person is a producer of this show. So I'm going to, like, put a my foot forward and like I don't do that you don't do that I don't do that and maybe it's not right maybe I should do that so how do you get to know them I think people can tell when you're talking to people for the sake of professionalism or that you want something we go back to the stink I think you give off a stink right if you're giving someone extra attention because they're used to it and they can tell and they can notice that this person is talking to me because my position allows me to help them out yeah. If I'm in, uh, usually you'll meet these people in some kind of work event, networking event. So I'm just pretty much nice to everybody I come across mm-hmm. as interested equally in everybody. Right. And I think, and I can't say this for sure, that that helps. So for your latest I'll give gig, you a specific example yeah, if you please, want. Yes, please do. Um, there's a lady called Mandy. Very big deal. Very important when it came to Expo 2020 Dubai. Okay. Now- She's the person that you got to suck up to. Right. She's the person you got to have on your side and stuff. Okay. I get along with, great with Mandy and I don't feel like I ever try to talk to Mandy because it's Mandy and I want this or I want that. Okay. It's just, you know, people don't like being used, especially in social settings. Uh-huh. And I was just talking to her about, you know, I just said, hi, how are you? All that stuff. Did you see her in a social setting? Saw her in a networking setting. So it was okay. pretty social. It wasn't like at a work meeting, mm-hmm. um, but it was a networking event. And we talked about Vietnam for a while. Okay. Because she wanted to go there. I'd been there. Did you so know that about who what she I was? Did. I, uh, I knew who she was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that didn't, I don't, I don't feel like that affected my conversation with her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how are you? What's, what's going on? Oh, I'm thinking about going to Vietnam. I've been to Vietnam. We spoke about Vietnam for a while and didn't speak business. And then I see her at another event. She is happy to see me now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Paris, she knows come you give don't me want a hug. Anything. All that stuff. And uh, yeah, if people think you're good for the job, they'll see that passively. Right. Um, knowing people is the real help. So proving how good you are at something in the moment is not the best idea. I think it's better to just be nice to everybody. Yeah. And you never know who could help you in life. Uh, and I think it's just good to be nice in general, whoever it is, whether it's the the waiter or the producer or the CEO or the person who's under you, equal to you, higher than you. It's good to just be nice to everybody. Because it's good for the soul. Second of all, you, you never know you where you could good. get a job from. I'm going to talk about my friend Bibin, okay. who is a videographer uh, and maybe not considered the person to know. Okay. But obviously, it's very nice to Bibin. And now Bibin has opened up his own videography studio. I think I know Bibin. You probably know Bibin. I feel like Bib- I follow Bibin. Because Bibin <laughs> does the same thing. He is nice to everybody and you want to work with Bibin again. You're not going to think about, you know... When people don't know videography, mm-hmm. they're just like, I need a videographer. I'm not going to think, oh, this person's better than that person because they use this kind of light versus this kind of camera. Going to be like, Bibin was really fun. I'm going to work with Bibin. You know what's so interesting? Dubai is like, you think it's big, but it's so small. It's small. And then, but it's like also any other city that you, it's like the word of mouth, like how, what people think of you just spreads. Exactly. So you got to be very difficult being, very careful being difficult in any situation. I know. Because it can follow you around. Now, I'd like to think you're not the type of person that has to stop yourself from being difficult and you can just be amiable. Let's let's talk about that, though, because sometimes you have to give yourself, um, you have to stick up for yourself in certain situations. You have to know what you're worth and you have to put boundaries on like people who might try to be taking advantage of you. How do you do that while still being likable? Mm. Well, you you got to be respectful with whatever you do or say. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody's wronged you in the industry... 
it's very easy to just not work with them again. So let's say yes. you did a job for somebody and they owe you money. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say you missed out on like 3,000 dirhams. It's a big chunk of money. It's a good mm-hmm. chunk of money. Um, but if you feel like you have to fight to get it, now some people will be like, you fight and you get that money. Yeah. And it is good to do that. And you should try as much as you can. Uh, but it's also good to just be like, you know what? I just won't ever work with this person again. And I'll tell other people not to work with this person again. You don't want to be that person that other people are saying, don't work with parents. He's so difficult. He gets really angry. He flies off the handle. Yeah. But you got to have boundaries. A hundred percent. I, you know, I feel like that's kind of the most difficult thing for me sometimes because I feel like when I first started out, I was a bit of like a pushover. Cause I'm like, it's just, I just wanted to be like a people pleaser and wanted to get some jobs. Now I'm starting to be like, you know what? No, that's not going to fly. I want to, you know, this is what I want saying what you want. How do you think when you are trying to say what you want, how do you think you should like, what's, how would you go about it? Respectfully and calmly mm-hmm. um, with some pragmatism. You just got to be calm about it. Yeah. And I'm sure there might be somebody watching this now who knows me in the industry and be like, Faris is a, pu- Faris is a pushover. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's true. But people have different work ethics and different boundaries and different things they're willing to accept. accept. So while someone would like, he did that thing, which I wouldn't have accepted, maybe I have a different leniency towards what is making me a pushover and what isn't. But if there is a boundary... And I feel like I have to cross it. Right. Uh, I don't know if we should talk about specific examples, but it's just being assertive. Right. But not getting emotional. That is the key. Yeah. I it, like just saying what you want in a calm, non-emotional way, I think is the best way. And also not like sometimes something bothers, something bothers you. You don't have to sit and list all the details of what bother you. Just say what you want because yeah. then you're you're providing the solution. Exactly. This is what I'm asking for. Exactly. I want to be credited in this. I want to be given more money for this. Yeah, exactly. That some people might uh, argue with me on this one point, mm-hmm. but let's say let's talk about MCing, right? Mm-hmm. Don't always go to plan. Um, and a lot of people, they charge higher fees because you don't know what's going to happen. And the job of the MC yeah. is to handle whatever happens. So sometimes you'll go to a job. They said it was going to be four hours. Suddenly it's seven hours. Um, you charge too low. You didn't understand the scale of it. You're just mm-hmm. not happy with the whole situation. Right. Now, some people will start the fight right there at the event. Maybe they should. Maybe that is the right thing to do. Right. I won't do that. I will do the job completely and I will be completely professional and I will accept the money that was agreed upon at the start mm-hmm. because I said I would. But I would definitely say something afterwards, just so you know. Um, I didn't realize the event was going to be at this scale. I find yeah. it, found it very disorganized. Uh, and in future, if we're to continue to work together, it's going to be under these terms. That's a lovely way of d- doing it and thinking of it, yeah. I think. Because if you make trouble then and there, they'll be like, I don't want to work with this guy anyway. Exactly. But if you finish the job and you did it well, they're mm-hmm. like, listen, even though we screwed up this much he still did the job as well as he could and beyond what we expected uh so it's just going to cost us more next time and also they're going to notice their mistake that way they're not going to be so defensive because if you get annoyed and you you know start chaos at that point they're going to be like they're going to get defensive like no we didn't but then if you just let them be of course they're going to come back and be like like we did bad business like that was not good for us our reputation is on the line like I think that's such a good way of thinking about things. Like even if you think you're being a, you know, pushover, whatever the word is, I think it's just more about like leniency and then learning from your own mistakes also. exactly. Like think of things as a teachable moment. A hundred percent. So let's bring up another example. Yeah. World Government Summit. Mm -hmm. I was asked to uh, host it two years ago, 
2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, a third party told me, we want you for this government summit. I didn't know what it was. The okay. money he was offering was low. Mm. But like it's money I would accept, but it was low. And I didn't know what it was. Uh, I show up on the day. It is huge. Yeah. It is his highnesses, his excellencies, like royals. All the are royals. Yeah. And I'm hosting this event and I accepted a very low amount. Now I could have kicked off and be like, I'm not completing this unless you promise me you're going to pay me this much. I'm mm-hmm. not doing this and this and that. Then I was like, you know what? I should have known what the World Government Summit is. Yep. Um, I should have uh, known how what the scale of it was, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't. And I accepted it and I was duped. Let's say it was duped yep. or maybe they don't understand how much MCs charge. Maybe exactly. they don't know the rates. Yeah. So I just did the job and I did it well. And then the last year they asked me to do it again Yeah. Uh, because I did it the year before mm-hmm. and I didn't make any trouble and I did everything as well as I possibly could. And it w- went off without a problem. And I was like, if it's anything like last year, mm. then I would love to do it, but I'm afraid I need to like charge three times as much. And I thought they were going to say no. And they accepted it because it's the world government summit. Yeah. And they're like, listen, this is like a lot of Royals. Right. It can't go wrong. Yep. We know this guy does a good job. So just pay him whatever he wants. That's such a good way to behave. Like I think well, like, okay. But tell us also like, how do you control your emotions in that situation? Like, do you feel like say you're getting angry that you're not getting paid enough. You feel like you've been kind of, I don't know, whatever. You're just pissed off at this point. Um, what what do you tell yourself? Like, are there things you could tell yourself that um, will make you f- just calm in that moment? Or maybe even, because you said a year later this happened. So if you had a year like to beat yourself up over it. I didn't Did even you? talk about the late payment. Oh, That's what I was more angry about. Okay, right. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, so how, so how do you talk yourself through that? Cause I feel like a lot of people in this industry, it, sometimes these emotions can get to you because you feel like I, you beat yourself up over it. Yeah. A bit. What, what would you um, say? Well, I remind myself as mistakes happen mm-hmm. um, and uh, to try and take a negative and turn it into a positive if you can. Mm-hmm. So the negative is I did this massive event. Um, I didn't get enough recognition or enough money for it. Mm-hmm. I should be angry, but it's like, it already happened. What is the point of being angry? There is no point. It doesn't achieve anything Yeah, being angry. Um, and this is my first time doing the world government. If I kicked off there, no, it's not enough money. Or this, this is just a difficult person. Right. It's just a difficult individual. I did it. And the positive from that was um, I will take care to ask mm-hmm. and research events before I accept them. Uh, the other positive is I'm going to do a good job. And if I do a good job, they're going to ask me next year and I can charge more money. The other positive bit, yeah, just learnable moment, teachable moment. Yeah. And at the very end of the spectrum, it's when you're a certain level, you should stop expecting it, but you can just be like, it was experience. Right. I can put it on my LinkedIn. I can put it on my CV. I can put it on my reels. I can use this. Yeah. It is a positive. It already happened. There's no reason to get angry. That's the, yeah, yeah. That's, you can't go back in time. That's great. I love that. I think people like, especially when you're starting out. Even when you're when you're in the middle of it, actually, not when you're starting out, it yeah. happens all the time. It can happen, and that's the thing. Things happen. Like you, sometimes you lose a ring. Yep. And you can't spend the next five years angry that you lost the ring. Mm-hmm. The ring's lost. You buy another ring, or you just realize you don't need the ring. Exactly. I think. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a good point to have. So, when you're first starting out, do you think it, we're talking about payments because you talk about like payments and stuff like that? I think that's the hardest part of freelancing. Yeah. I feel like is there a way. To just like control this like whole late payment, um, <laughs> what to expect in terms of like making money when you're freelancing? Like, 
do you do you think there's a good setup? I know you said you work full time, so there's like you have your full time salary, and yeah, then I you, got a salary, and then there's freelancers on the side. Freelance on the side. Yeah. What do you think? Like, how would you advise people to set up their um, financial situation in terms of freelancing? I'm going to tell you um, that there are people watching this who are going to be like, "Ferris is terrible with that," because <laughs> some people have very rigid rules. Okay. I'm very laissez-faire about it, and right. I probably shouldn't be, uh, especially with some people. But what do you mean laissez-faire? Like, as in, like you will. You'll be okay with the late like payment? Like, they'll pay me at some point. Right, right. If I feel like they will. Or if they, I did a job and they just didn't pay me, mm-hmm. I'll be like, teachable moment, won't work again for them. But then what if you don't get money for that month? What are you going to do? Well, this is something we should have probably touched on earlier, mm-hmm. was I like, because people said they want to be freelancers. Right. I could never be a full-time freelancer because currently it's a slow season. It's mm-hmm. summer. Things die down. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be in that position where I'm like, I need my payments. How am I going to get through the month? Stuff like that. That's too stressful for me. So I like doing the mix of having a full-time job and freelancing. And that's probably why I'm not so rigid about my payments and Uh stuff. But if I have a rule, my rule is if I work for somebody for the first time ever, they pay me 50% upfront and then they pay me 50% after the job is done. Mm -hmm. Um, If I work with them again and I feel like they were efficient and they paid me on time and they weren't late with the second payment or the first payment, Mm -hmm. then I'll be like, pay me when you can, usually within 60 days, 90 days max. Um, And yeah, just base it on different people and different levels of trust. And do you create contracts for every time that you want to do a freelance job? No. Yep. Probably should. Again, other people will tell you probably definitely should. Yep. I try and keep things personal personal um but that's the thing it's not my main job if it was your main job you have to have invoices you have to have contracts this is something i sort of do on the side as a side hustle Mm -hmm. i've got my radio job that's all contracted and everything so i can afford to be a little bit yeah like you know kind of chill just pay me when you got it okay that's good you're kind of like uh you know path of least uh resistance kind of thing yeah (laughs) i like that because it's like (laughs) just less stress but I'm just maybe, being very honest on here and I'm not saying that I'm an expert. You should listen to me. No, it's good because you know why I feel like there are sometimes online you see that there's like a certain way to do things all the time. And I feel like there isn't, there isn't like every person's different. Your background is every person's background is different and their, their work setup is different. So like someone could be a full-time freelancer versus someone who has a full-time slash uh, freelance. freelance. Yeah, exactly. Some people are part-time, but also I like what you said about like it, it being seasonal. So like, if you want to do the freelance thing, make sure that there is demand for it in the season yeah. so that you're not just out there like looking at during expo. There was like, remember when the season was over, like everybody was out there trying to hustle, trying to like find work. Thank God at that time I was employed. I, w- I wasn't working for expo. I was just doing bits and pieces from there. But like, that's the type of thing you're, you mean, but right? Forget like losing all types of work, I had to actively remind myself throughout Expo mm-hmm. that I was, I was working, by the way, during those six months, I was working an average of 14 hours a day. Wow. Some days I was working 18 hours, um, like in a row. At just at Expo? No, no, no. Because I was waking up, I was doing my radio show, then I was driving to Expo. Right. And then I was doing my TV show at Expo. Mm-hmm. And then I would have like some different things, like a voiceover I needed to do or a podcast. Mm-hmm. I had two different shows at Expo, so I'd have to go do the other one in the evening. Mm-hmm. Like it was a busy time during Expo. The whole yeah. city was like all over the place and doing all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I had to remind myself, this too shall pass. Okay. So I was making more money than I normally do. I was making maybe three, maybe sometimes four times mu- as much money as I normally do. And you start to get these ideas of lifestyle inflation. I'm going to move to much such and such an apartment. I'm going to buy such and such a car. I can afford it. Mm-hmm. I can do this and that. But the thing is, you got to remember, you can't afford it. Currently, 
you'll make a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. But like the thing about Expo is you know that you're not going to in four months' time. But some people, they'll do really well at their job, mm-hmm. freelancing, and they'll be like, I'm the king of the world. And they go and buy that Lamborghini and they uh, go and move into that apartment. And then suddenly there is a financial decline or it's just summertime. And that's not nearly as much money. You've got to budget a lot more as a freelancer, I think, so you can make it through the the slower months. I love how realistic this is. This is what people need to hear. I think people get really excited about having a really good gig sometimes because it's like it's gig economy. Like you go and you get amazing gigs here and there. It's Dubai. Of course, you're going to make like some really good money sometimes. But you have to remember the other end of the stick where you're like, actually, this is not might not last. Might not last. I'm not saying that it's not going to last. But you should always plan for both. You should plan for both. Exactly. And I think that's like I, having your finances in order is such a big thing for a freelance, like a, a freelancer. I think just figuring out what works for you, right? Like if you're someone who depends solely on freelancing, then definitely have that mindset of like, this is not going to, might not last. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you have a job. Um, I mean, my little brother, he wants to freelance. And I told okay. him, like, you've got a job now. Yeah. Uh, freelance until you're making as much freelancing mm-hmm. in a week as you are doing your job in a month. What? Yeah. That's a lot. Some people are more excessive. Some people, they want to they wanna get to the point where they're making as much money freelancing in a day as they do in a month at their job. And then they quit their job. What's the logic behind that? Is it because there might logic not be- Logic behind that is, yeah, because once you start making the same- a lot of people will be like, well, I'm making the same, if not more freelancing, so I can oh, quit this job. Yeah, 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 yeah. And at the time, that's true. And then three months down the line, when um, when it's the slow season, which they haven't yet experienced because they've just started out, or it's mm-hmm. a slower season than it's ever been, COVID-19 shows up, something mm-hmm. happens, and they're like, oh, actually, I needed that stability. I needed that severance package. I needed that health insurance. I needed that stuff. Right. That's so, like, this is exactly, like, what people need to learn. Like, I also, um, I did this calculation the other day. Someone asked me what my day rate was for, like, uh, uh, something. Like she presenting, expansive. <laughs> presenting she gig. expansive. It was for a presenting gig. And uh, basically, I, I didn't know this. I calculated my, you have to calculate your yearly salary times something times the tax divided by like some certain number. Send me that. I don't know. And by this. the way, that's, this is on Google. I'll, I'll like, I'm going to put this in the comments in the caption below because it's, I think it's important for people to know. Do not charge like your salary divided by the days of the year. Like it's no, not no, like no. that. Okay. So it's, it's a bit different, but um, I feel like these little tips and tricks are very useful for people who are like freelancing. So that one's a good one. I've never heard of that one, which is like, um, ask for ask for the salary, but what did you say again? No, I said if you're freelancing, <laughs> yeah. If you if you currently have a job and you want to start freelancing, my advice isn't quit the job now, start freelancing. Because the beauty of freelancing is you can do it while you have a job. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. with remote working. Right. So start freelancing whilst you have a job. Now it is going to take a lot of your time. Maybe you have a family, maybe mm-hmm. you have kids, maybe it's more difficult. And it's very easy for me to sit here and be like, do both. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you do have a family and kids, you want the extra stability, right? right? So I said, once you're making as much in a week freelancing as you are in a month at your job, mm-hmm. then I would say it's safe to quit your job and just do the freelancing. Right, exactly. Because that- you're making four times as much freelancing as you are at your job. Mm-hmm. So even in a slow season, 
you can expect twice what you were making at a job. The yeah. slowest seasons of all, mm-hmm. you're making the same as. Exactly. So if you're making the exact same freelancing as you are at your job, it's very easy to say, I can quit. I'm making the same. And that was me at Expo. I was making more than I was making. I didn't quit my job. Okay. Because I knew Expo was going to end. Yeah. But uh, you don't know when something's going to end a lot of the time. Oh, so man. even if I had this situation where I was making three times as much as I was at my job mm. um, and it wasn't Expo, it was just a new thing in life. Media, it comes and goes. TV shows get canceled. Um, podcasts get canceled. Events start to die down. Mm-hmm. These things happen. I mean, there's going to be a lot of activity in Saudi recently. A lot of the events are going yeah, to go there. That's what I was going to say. So also. these things can slow down. So if you're making the same, that means what you've ensured is you are no better off. So at all. safeguard yourself in terms of because it's not, it's not as consistent. It depends on how much risk you have. As we were talking earlier about self motivation. Yeah. If right. you're such a motivated individual that you know you're going to go for it, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the guy to mm-hmm. be here and be like, no, don't do that. Be yeah. safe. I'm not going to be one of the naysayers. Like, no, 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 you can't do it. Because some people can do amazing things. Yeah. They can really put their eye on the prize and go for it. Mm-hmm. If you are, let's say, more on the average scale, doesn't mean you shouldn't be an entrepreneur or a freelancer. Yeah. But it, the way I'm giving you advice is if I, if my little brother were to ask me for advice. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. is what I would say to him. is like, I know you. I know sometimes you go into depressive episodes. I know sometimes it's hard for you to be motivated. It's hard for you to even tidy up your room. And I know that right now you feel like I want to go and I want to be a graphic designer, I want to do freelance, I want to do all that. But I'm going to be like, great, I'm not going to say no, but don't quit the day job. Right. Because if you can prove to yourself that you can do your day job and graphic design when you get home, that means you have the drive to make it big. Right. If you're so tired after doing your job that you cannot do your graphic designing, quitting the job isn't going to help. Mm. You think it is. So account for the bad days. Account, account for, for the bad a- days. Account and for your also not being motivated all yeah. the time we're human like it doesn't even if you are motivated all the time like i all with throughout my 20s like i was super motivated all the time i, I was doing like so many awesome gigs like on you know on oscar winning films like production assistant all this kind of stuff but i it was exhausting like you don't account for the bad days sometimes mm-hmm. and then you're like oh my god i can't do this anymore there were days where i cried really and i don't cry Often. Like, I'm not a big crier. What was the trigger for it? It was, um, I'd done an 18-hour day. Mm-hmm. And then I slept for four hours. And I woke up at 4 a.m. to do another 18-hour day. Oh, my God. So it was two 18-hour days in a row. Yeah. Multiple different locations. And I was driving home. And I had work the next day at 4 a.m. Like, I had to wake up at 4 a.m. to go to work the next day. And I was driving home. And I remembered that I had to do a voiceover when I got home. Oh. Which probably would have taken 10 minutes. But it was just that. I just cried in the car. <laughs> like it just, so, so you know, yeah. you can overextend yourself. And the problem is, if you take joy out of working hard like I do, on the days where it's slow, you feel horrible about yourself. You can't enjoy yeah. that time. It's important to try and decompress when the seasons are slow. Yep. This is something I'm trying to remind myself now while it's hot. Yeah, yeah. Because you it start easy. to think, oh, I'm losing it. Yeah. Like but- I used to work like, 12 hours a day, all these projects, and now I'm not doing anything. Oh, it's my fault. I should be on LinkedIn. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Or sometimes it's just a slow season. It is, exactly. And you can take that time to read, paint, hang out with friends. Like find out your hobbies. Yeah. Exactly. And I, it's so true about what you said before about like the compounded stress that like stress can really take suck the joy out of anything, right? Because you love what you do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but then you think, oh my God, if I don't do this, I won't get paid for the day. Da, 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 da. But then learning how to like, balance it with like with the off season just being like yeah. being okay with not 
hustling as much, yeah. right? Listen, Dubai is stressful. It's yeah. a stressful place. And, um, you know, it's great because there's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of media personalities, a lot of go-getters, a lot of business owners. Um, and there's a big culture with podcasts like this, no offense, mm -hmm. and um, Instagrams and all it's that stuff. It's not offensive. I'm happy. I'm part of it. <laughs> uh, and stuff like that, which make you feel like if you are not constantly on the go doing something, then yeah. you are failing at life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, do you want to be constantly on the go and stuff? Like it's okay because yeah. there's not enough people on socials, on podcasts, talking about the fact that they don't always feel motivated. They're not always busy. And what they're posting on their Instagram is only when they're doing well or when they're achieving. Because the highlight. that's when you do it. The highlight reel. Exactly. And I feel like um, there's no shame in wanting to just like take your pennies and go to like an island and just not work for like a good two months or something. Like it's it's... It shouldn't be frowned upon. Yeah. There's, you have your whole life to work and hustle. And and here's another thing I'll remind people of if they're in the same situation as me. Now, I love the UAE. I love Dubai. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great place to be. Um, but a lot of the people that come here do not plan on staying here forever. Right. Right? A lot mm -hmm. of people don't plan on it's staying. Transient. Yeah. People come and go. Right. So why are you treating the people in Dubai, why are you treating their opinions as if they're real humans? Well, they like, are real no, humans. Yeah, but no matter how long you're here, right. if you know at some point that you don't want to settle down mm -hmm. in this country, then you're probably not going to see these people again. Right. So why do their opinions matter more than the opinions of your family okay. or your friends or yourself? Yeah. So so be kind, but don't take on so much. Like, Don't focus too much on impressing the people that are here. Right. I mean, I never think you should focus on impressing anyone, but especially if you're in Dubai, like... I need to buy that BMW. Why? Because it's a really cool car. People will be impressed. Mm. You are leaving this country at some point. Right, right, right. Cars lose half their value. You know in five, six, seven, eight years, mm. you're going to get rid of that car. So why are you buying it to impress people for five, six, seven years who you might never see when you leave? That's so true. What is your measure of success then? Because a lot of people buying, buying their cars is a measure of like showing people, validating themselves on how far they've gotten in their careers. What do you think? Is your measure? You should success. see my car. What is it? I came to this country five years ago with no money, mm -hmm. uh, and I bought a car in the first year, and it's, I've got the same car. What it's is a it? Toyota Yaris with a stain Dependable. on the front. Yeah, <laughs> it's good with petrol. I that, that's a thing. Like if we're talking finances, uh, there are different things that make you happy. Right. Imagine different knobs for each thing. Yeah. If you love cars, turn that knob up. If you love, if you don't like clothes, mm -hmm. turn that knob down. That's uh, I. What do you like? What, what's your your like thing? Traveling. Traveling, okay. So I'll drop 10K yep. to go to Japan, like tomorrow. But I will not buy a shirt for months. <laughs> like 200 dirhams. I'm not buying that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like what's the measure of success mm -hmm. is honestly your own opinion of yourself. Can you sleep at night? Um, are you happy? Are you fulfilled? Um, and the things that you're striving for, are you striving them for, them for yourself mm -hmm. or for other people? Right. But I like what you said about like the turning the different knobs for what you what suits your lifestyle. Yeah. Not everyone wants a new car. Not everyone. But what I like is like I like to be able to afford like uh, different experiences. So like travel is one of them. But like I'm a foodie, so I like love going to like different like restaurants, and I wouldn't mind dropping some cash there. Like yeah. it's that's my thing. What knobs are you turning down? The knobs that I'm turning down is that just like I don't. Rain all over. <laughs> just <laughs> just meet at the club. <laughs> You know what I don't care about? I don't care about like big brands, uh, like clothing brands. Yeah, like I'm not a big, like uh, my purse has to be this, has to be that. I don't. It's a Birkin. 
Yeah, I don't care about that. Like, or like shoes. Like, I feel like whatever looks good, you make it look good. Yeah. Like, it's a confidence thing how you wear something also. Like, I'm just not a big brand. If I get it, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm obviously not going to, you know, like. It's a nice thing. It's a nice thing. But you yeah. You just have to prioritize what's important and what makes you happy or what's making other people happy. Exactly. Living in Dubai, as I said, my car is a very modest car. Yep. Um. And not only is it like, oh, what will people think of me? I literally have problem valeting it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll go to a really nice hotel because <laughs> I'm hosting an event there. And I'll pull up and they're like, where are you is going? Is that the guy? Where are you going? He's the, he's the MC. No, it's the valet. They don't yeah. know about what event's happening inside the hotel. But right. they're like, you don't look like you're staying at this hotel or yeah. you have any business here. It looks like you're just trying to park in Marina <laughs> and do it for free. I get that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that makes me feel bad. But I'm like, I'm not dropping 150K on a car. I don't care. Right, exactly. So it's like, not going to make me happier. Deep down it's inside. What other pe- it's what the valet thinks. It's what the girl I'm picking up thinks. And the girl I'm picking up, if she's going to judge me on my car, she's not wifey. Mm. You got to try and focus on what makes you happy. Like, why are you buying the new clothes? Do they make you happy? Mm-hmm. Or are you trying to impress the people around you? Exactly. Good points to end by, by the way. I love this. I like that that we're wrapping on this very, like, this is something to really think about here. Because sometimes we just spend on crap that we don't even know that we, we don't even want. We don't yeah. even care about. Amazing, Ferris. So where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram at Radio Ferris. Yeah. They can find me on TikTok at Radio Ferris. They can find me on LinkedIn, Ferris Al-Raqad. Um, yeah. Listen, I want to ask you one more question before we wrap up. Mm. Where do you see yourself in the next like four to five years? Where well, do you see yourself like as in just career wise? Well, I don't want to give you a long answer. Because it's a wrap up. You have two minutes. I don't focus too much on the future. I, maybe I should. But honestly, um, I feel like if you make a plan for the mm-hmm. next five years and you miss that plan, then you're going to feel bad about yourself. Whereas it's fun, especially in this industry, which isn't so rigid in the hierarchical like succession. Yeah. Um, it's good to just go with the flow. So I'm very happy being in Dubai doing what I'm doing at a bigger scale. Yep. I'm very, very happy be doing radio or media somewhere else. I'd even be happy doing a podcast in a nice hut in Bali, oh, living that f- that's nice. freedom, working remotely, making enough cash to survive that. Like, I'm fine. I, I could be traveling Asia for six months. Like, yeah, we'll see I'm, what happens. Yes, I mean, I think I'm like you. I think um, I'm kind of the same. I stopped. I stopped making plans, to be honest, because I feel like. Because you try to make a plan. Because when you try to work make, out. But even if it does work out, you realize that you put so much mental energy in thinking that that's what's going to make you happy when actually it's what's going to make you happy is you have it. Let's give a specific example because it's very common. A lot of people are like, I, by the age of 30, want to be married with a baby on the way. Suddenly you're 29 and it hasn't happened organically. Mm -hmm. So you'll marry any schmuck that comes along and wants to marry you. And then guess what? You're divorced five years later because you weren't happy. Exactly. That's the problem, I think, with setting timelines when it comes to success or family or anything like that. That is my motto these days. Just <laughs> let things happen organically. Like, stop pressuring. Stop. Don't um, don't compare your timeline to anyone else's timeline. Yeah. Right? Shall I end on a quote? Yes, please. Love yourself <laughs> and you'll have a lifelong romance. Wow. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I stole that Amazing. from Brian Blessed, by the way. Okay. Thank you so much, Fadas, Thank for being you, on this mean. podcast. Guys, if you like this podcast, do like, share, and subscribe, or just say hey in the comments. And um, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yay.